All right, guys, Joey and Nate here, Dixie Doggers TV, coming at you. We've got another little, little episode going here. We're going to go over some stuff today on on our gear. You know, we got to have you got to have good gear. A lot of people don't, they don't know exactly what gear to buy when they first start out hunting. You veterans and stuff, a lot of this is, is not meant for you guys. We want you to watch. We want you to support us. But don't take anything the wrong way. Don't start bitching and moaning. Don't tell us what all we're doing wrong because we're only trying to help. And this is out of, you know, we're taking the time out of our lives to do this, to try to help somebody else get into doing and keeping this sport alive that we love. And so, like I said, we're going to go over some gear stuff today about, we got, we're going to go over leashes, dog boxes, collars, tracking systems, you know, the whole nine yards, everything that it takes for us to, you know, to, to keep these dogs healthy and to, to keep them safe in the in the woods uh, a lot of people you know you think keeping a dog healthy and safe you know how does that revert back to a, a collar or a lead and stuff it, it does it has a lot to do with it uh it's, an, it's a very very important part that it plays in the in the whole the whole game and this whole scene you know if if you don't have high quality gear you might as well just yeah it's it, it will make your life way harder than you could ever imagine yeah exactly so i mean i've, I've been doing this for quite a few years uh, i'm not gonna say i'm a pro at it by no means but i've been doing it a long damn time I, i've got my own things that i like personally and there's reasons behind that but you know nathan he's been doing it damn near as long as i have and he has certain things that he likes yeah and so, you know, we'll, we'll let Nate go over a few of the things that, that he likes as far as leashes and different type, type leads and stuff like that and the applications that you use them for because there's a reason you have a two-foot lead, a four-foot, and a six-foot lead, tree rings. You know, there's reasons for all that stuff. And we'll, we'll let Nate tell you. Yeah, so basically, leads mainly come down to preference of yourself and the application of your dog. So, like... You're not going to have a very long tree lead for your bulldog every time. You mm -hmm. can if you hunt around a lot of trees, but if you're hunting off buggies and you're in a in a field, you could do it with a two foot long bulldog lead, whether it be just poly polythane, but that's usually not recommended with bulldogs because no truth of those. But uh, but you could even do paracord, which are pretty durable. It takes a while for a dog to chew out of those. It has happened with us, but not much at all. Uh, leather ones, you do the cable ones. Uh, my only problem with cable leads is usually after a while, the poly sleeve over them gets broke, and then the cable will start fraying, and it will really tear up your hands. And usually, like the loop that you set over your hand, if a dog's pulling, it's it's not comfortable with me. Uh, our friend Dave Sedoti makes paracord leads. They're long they're tree the leads, best ones I've and seen. as far as durability and comfort, they're they're my personal favorite. And the same thing comes to collars, because I know a lot of older gentlemen, especially who tend to have been around cattle or livestock, they like leather collars. Yeah, I don't because they usually stink more. Yeah, and if they get wet, they'll dry hard as they're dry. Break, break. Yeah, and so you can do paracord those. I don't like paracord collars but biothane uh james mills and uh what is his name john van note john van note we usually get our collars from those two guys we usually get the terrier ones from james because he always keeps small ones yeah and uh, that's the and those leads from dave sedoti that's what he originally 
he made those leads for terriers. Yeah, they're a lighter weight. Like they they don't have the very we big use number them, three chain. It's the number two chain. I use them dragging around hundred pound cane corsos. Hundred well, not hundred pound, probably 130, 140 pounders. Uh, yeah. American Sentinels, Band Dogs, uh, Mastiffs. We used them on all different type sizes and structures, from hounds all the way to Patterdales. And they have not failed us at all. Right. They they've been actually they just they've been the best lead that I've ever had. I was really against the paracord craze, you know. I mean, there's still a lot of people that make a lot of paracord stuff, but it just seemed like there for a couple of years it was a big, big craze. Oh, yeah, Everybody was making huge. everything paracord. And then it dwindled out. Yeah, and then it kind of fired, you know, fizzled out. But Dave, his his shit is just. I mean, it's yeah. it's the best shit you're going to get. The, the thing I really like about those. Because you'll get like the one and a half inch or two inch uh, real thick cloth leads. And after those get wet, they get real hard and they're uncomfortable. So like when you're trying to like throw them over your body, they that's never the, fit right. Come up the nylon webbing kind yeah, of? The yeah, the nylon web. That's what it's called. Um, well, no, that's, I guess. But the, uh, those paracord ones. We're not ones, professional lead makers. Oh, we're, yeah. honest, we're just trying to help paracord somebody. Paracord ones, so. they, I'm going to mm. leave Dave Sedoti's link to his page, Blue Barn yeah. Kennels. He has the best leads yeah i mean without a doubt they're uh if the, the only thing i guess is that they're not went quite long enough yeah. for me i think it was what's four or five which i know i think he started making longer ones and so but you got to get with him he, he, he makes, makes hand free ones too yeah terriers yep he makes break sticks he makes a lot of a lot of things like that and he's he's really good and like i said now he you're not going to get now keep in mind you're not going to get it for five bucks it's not going to happen. So if you've got it in mind, you're like, oh, I'm just get this right. No, don't don't do that. I mean, usually his his leads are going to be 15, 20 bucks. I imagine, I think somewhere in that area. Yeah. But no joke, I still got the same leads that he handed me two and a half, three years ago, and we've used them nonstop. And I've went through. I couldn't tell you how many other leads as well. Why we using any of the leads left from when we bought them nope. the same day that Dave gave us those? Nope. They they so. they put a couple of them. I wound up buying some more. I don't know what's going on with the dog, but they are fired up. Yeah. Yeah, so. All right, guys. Sorry, there was a little hiccup in the in the deal there. We had a couple yard dogs decided they wanted to. Like yeah, act like they ain't got no damn sense out here hauling and acting crazy <laughs> and stuff. And we're all, we're supposed to be the only ones making noise, you know. You think that a dog would know better? Really, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, dogs have just so much sense. Yeah, this. I mean, that's one of the deals, but. All right, so we're going to go on to uh, on some cut gear um, for your dogs. You know, one thing, you got you know, you got cut vest, strike vest, bay vest, uh, you cut collars, boar bibs, you got quarter vest, half length, full length. It's, you know, it's all in what you want to do. Um, if you've got a certain dog that, make sure that vest fits properly, first of all. Yes. If that vest does not fit that dog, call Southern Cross, Show and Go, 4R Cut Gear, um, Hardcore, Ugly Dog, any any of these people will get you fixed up. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not I'm not throwing plugs out there to say this vest is better than that one or da 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 none of that. I'm not not doing that. We're not we're not going to do that right now. It's one of those deals where. It doesn't matter who you use, as long as you get that dog fitted properly, that's going to be a big part of it. Now, the longevity and the durability, the consistent durability is yes. one of those things. Um, 
I know there's there's two or three names, and there's going to be people that want to hear them. There's people that you know they don't want to hear what we have to say. But you know, you got hardcore and you got Southern Cross and Four R. Those are those are three that come to mind for me real quick. Very uh, people. They all three of those you can't go wrong any form or fashion. Um, they'll make whatever you want, however you want it. So they've been around it a long time. They know what's. They know oh, what yeah. works. They know. And I mean, like I said, you we we live in the deep south. It's hot. I mean, it's smoking hot. We have days where the humidity is way higher than the temperature. And I mean, when you get to you know, 102, 103 degrees, and humidity humidity is 85% or more. It's it's really not even a good idea to hunt. But if you got to take care of business, you got to take care of business. And and we don't really have a choice because even at night, three o'clock in the morning, it's still in the 90s. Yeah. I mean, so there's been nights when we've hunted and it's literally it's 90 degrees at 10 ridiculous. And so you got to really watch your vest. And stuff, especially hunting in the in the deep south, or the southeast. That is, it just you know, it's a whole nother game here. I know, I, I've I've been out in Texas, hunted a little bit in Texas. Never, uh, never hunted out there with with dogs in the summertime. So I don't know how it is for you guys, but I mean, I know I know a few people. You know, they they only hunt when it's a certain temperature or lower. And that's a that's a good good deal to do, but like I said, where we're at, it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to do that. So you really got to watch running your your vest, what type of vest you run. Uh, we're making the transition now. We're going over to boar bibs because we all we have pretty much is rough dogs. Um, drop them on the ground, you know. There ain't much bark, ain't much baying going on at all. So I think we're going to just do that because it just the quarter vest is is about the most that we can use without really putting the heat on a dog yeah. you know you don't want to contribute any more heat to it when it's already laboring its ass off because it's so daggum hot and humid yeah, exactly and you know it's it's just one of those deals it's it to each region it's a different application but the number one application that is the same in all regions is to make sure of a proper fit yeah. that dog can move and flow and be an athlete the way it's supposed to be if it's fitted properly. If it's not, that dog's going to walk stiff-legged. He's yeah, not going to be able to turn. He's not going to be able to jump. If it's too loose, yep. that hog can also hook him and hold him and down. Wreck him. And make him pay for it. Yep. <laughs> make him pay. Well, hell, we've had that happen in Bay Pen. You oh, know? yeah. Had it where my, my sister one time, uh, she was trying to really be helpful, and she was take, handling some of the dogs, and we were in Georgia. No, we were in Texas, yeah, I think, we're in Texas. Yeah, and had a little jag went in there, and the vest was a little bit too loose on her. That old hog hooked her, and it just ransacked that dog. I mean, and of course, she didn't know that she was a, you know, she didn't know that she was 12 pounds, 13 pounds, you know. (laughs) She was a little bitty thing, and of course, she thought she could whoop everything, which that's why I do do love the terriers like the rough dogs. Ain't nothing ever going to change that, but um, what else you got there, Nate? Uh, Then you go into tracking systems which is probably one of the most expensive parts as far as just initial investment but one that you'll be the most satisfied with so three of the main ones that most people know is Garmin, Quick Track, and Daltra. I haven't used any of the newer Quick Track or anything like that we we had we started out with them and they don't lie 
Once yeah, you get under a power line, there. And even then, they you, were, you can still get oh, close yeah. as, as it gets. Uh, dog truck, you can just download the app on your phone, and then they connect with the caller through your phone. So your phone is the actual handheld. And then you have Garmin. Uh, we use the, the Alpha 100 with TT15s and the TT15 minis. That's what we've been running. We got there a couple we, of T5s. Yeah, we got a couple of T5s. They're, uh, but, I mean, and they're... They've all been been really great. The technology has come oh, yeah. so far from when I first started. It's it's damn ridiculous. Keep now. everything I mean, updated and keep everything clean. Yes, Get connection points and everything you can pick up properly. Don't it, do like I do. It it will pay for itself. Nathan takes and he comes behind me and he's like, you know, "Hey, Dad, you got to clean this shit up." You know, smoke a hole on it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, you know, look, it needs to be on that dog. We got to run it. You know, we cannot worry about the mud, but. In all honesty, keeping them clean, keeping everything in proper working order, make sure your chargers and everything are are working well. You know, you don't want to get a get ready for a big hunt, go put everything on charge and walk off and just say, well, you know, I'll get it in the morning, and then nothing charged. You know, yeah. make sure everything's in proper working order and make your life a lot easier. For sure. Like Nate was talking about the initial investment with the tracking yeah, system. It can be a chunk depending on how many you're trying to get yeah. or how nice you're trying to get i mean if you're going to buy it brand new from the dealer of course it's going to be more than if you buy it from somebody off marketplace yeah. or in a hunting group on facebook or something like that exactly but, i mean a lot of times with the dealers you can sometimes make payment plans and stuff like that so it does help right there right there <laughs> then folks right there all you got to do is holler at them carolina sportsman They'll fix you right up. Oh, yeah. They'll fix you up, and uh, I mean, I've I've bought quite a few things from them, and and forever I didn't know what making payments were, or, and I ain't trying to say I ain't I'm not trying to say that to sound like oh I can do this got all this or not. No, it's, I was I was raised to just you know do without, save a little bit, and go buy what you need to buy, and then you know figured out i was like you know i need a few more collars and i was trying to figure out i was like well i can buy one here and then i can buy another one next month and da 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 and kind of do all that and they're like hey we'll fix you up man we'll, we'll how many collars you need and all you got to do is just a little bit call them they'll get on the phone they'll do it right there and it don't take just a few minutes and next thing you know uh you'll have your new alpha sitting at your door and a couple collars they have really good customers. you'll have service. a payment Payments weren't weren't bad at all. I mean, I've only bought a couple, but yeah. I've bought other stuff. Um, yeah, bought the big antenna. Yeah, my wife she got me the, the drive track, um, and that right there. That's another thing right there. You know, we didn't have any of that when I first started hunting. I mean, that that drive track. You put it right there on the dash, or where we stick it on the, uh, the windshield of our buggy, and I mean, which we've got two handhelds. And that's another thing, a lot of people, I'm not going to say a lot of people, but I didn't really know that with the drive track that you had to have, it was basically like a Bluetooth deal. You know, it's not a tracking system in itself, but you, you if you've got your handheld, you can leave it right there or within a certain amount of feet, and it'll pick everything up, and it shows it on a bigger screen. Uh, we, we happen to have a couple of handhelds, and so it worked out great for us. But if you only have one handheld, and you have to leave more than 20 or 30 feet, I think, with the drive track, then is you know it's not going to pick up anymore. So, 
you know, you need to research all this stuff. Don't take our word, you know, at, at face. Just, you know, all we're doing is we're trying to give you what worked, what has and hasn't worked in our experiences. And that doesn't mean that that's going to be every time. I've got brand new collars from Garmin. Plugged them up. They charged the next day. Would not work. Had to send them right back in. I've got collars from Garmin that I've had for 12 years and never had a, not one second's problem. So it's it's electronics. I mean, it's, it happens. Yeah. Shit works, shit doesn't work. Like sometimes, I said, plug it, unplug it. <laughs> yeah, turn it off and turn it back on. But sometimes yeah. it fixes it. It does. Me remember when I had uh, Dutch and Drago. Yeah. I, did, I didn't have a, a tracking system then. And I was like, well, I just got started going good. I was like, well, that, boy, he's, he's down here this evening. Throw these dogs out and see if we can't run get one running. And, yeah, they did. I learned real quick. These hills and hollers, you better have a tracking system. Because did, we didn't know what runners were then. Like I said, I hadn't been hunting real, a long time. I, I'd been hunting for a while with, with my buddy Clay and other guys, but I hadn't been hunting on my own very long. And so, I mean, hogs would take a bay like it wasn't nothing. And then it got to where they were getting educated. And once they started running, you better have your tracking system. Okay. I mean, because unless you got a dog, it just, you know, he's not going to go far and come back. There's nothing wrong with that. That's your style of hunting. You know, I, I like one that's got some bottom to it. I want him to stay with it. Uh, but it's it's a it's a hard thing to do sometimes when you're you're trying to justify spending a thousand bucks right off the bat just on that tracking system, not including. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. if if you got a couple of dogs that you're training yourself or got somebody else helping you train, you're what looking at two thousand twenty five hundred to really. Uh, you can tie up some money. In I mean, week. well, that's just. I mean, just like kind of the pretty much the basics of what you would need you know your leads your cut gear uh, or strike gear bay gear whatever um then your your tracking system i mean you're yeah. looking at 800 plus just for tracking system then vest and a collar yeah vest they start at you can buy some as cheap as like what 60 bucks i think yeah. like some certain strike vest uh cut collars usually 25 35 dollars and up um but there's the cut vest, like I said, depends on what level you want. You know, you can get some that they're they're Kevlar, they got impact gel, they got everything that you can everything that you can put on it. They're almost bulletproof. Um and they're not gonna be sixty dollars, you know. You're you're probably looking at two sixty. So, you know, try to research everything, figure out what you need, what you don't need, what's gonna work best for the application and the style that you're gonna hunt. So, what uh, else we got? Next thing would be dog boxes. Like, what are you hauling your dog in? You don't want to have a little bitty plastic crate and you have a very high-strung bulldog because he's going to chew through it. And if that's in the back of your truck and he jumps out while you're going down the highway, that could kill your only dog, potentially. Or yep. if it gets out in the truck and, you, and you're in a Tahoe or something like that and he takes a big old shit in the back, it's... Not a fun experience, no. so, I mean, I've seen dog boxes built out of almost anything from regular plywood to just wood to street signs. Things say one of the best dog boxes, wasn't the best looking, one of the best built dog boxes that I've seen was mostly out of aluminum street signs. It was lightweight, put together well, but like I said, it wasn't, wasn't the prettiest thing, 
But it's pretty damn cool though, because yeah. the way it was put together. So it's. I mean, and then you can go to like, are you just hauling two dogs? Do all your dogs get along? Because if you got, if you run a bunch of curs or something that's a little bit more mellow and doesn't have as much dog aggression, you could have a, a dog box that sits in the over the rail, the, yeah, over the rail, and you could put ten dogs in each bay, and you have a bunch more storage. Or if you got dogs that aren't dog aggressive, but if one's constantly bumping to them and get her riled up, mm -hmm. then you might even need to switch over to a dog trailer with six or eight bays on it. Yeah. And that helps a lot. Yeah, we've run a dog trailer for years, uh, which we run dog boxes as well also, but uh, to, like, you know, you can buy dog trailers that are custom built, spend a lot of money on them, and in all honesty, you know, if, if that's what you want to do, a lot of people aren't handy. A lot of people can't, just go outside and weld. A lot of people can't. They don't have carpentry skills, you know. First dog, one of the first dog trailers I had. This guy, he he was not a carpenter. It was a wooden wooden dog trailer, but he was a trim man. Oh yeah, he was a hell of a trim man. I, I mean, this scandal right here. I told him. I said. I said. I thought you wasn't a carpenter. He said. I'm not. He said. I'm a trim man. He said. You see that trim work? I said. Well, yeah. I see the trim work. Trim work looks pretty Pulled damn it good. Pulled off, and there was gaps. Oh hell, there was shit. You could throw a damn. You could throw a dog through the gap. But the trim looked excellent. Oh, so, yeah. you know, don't ever underestimate your electrician. You know who I'm talking about. You know exactly who I'm talking about. You know who you are, don't you? Exactly. I thought you did. I still got the dog trailer, but I did have to take the trim off. Yeah, had to redo it. She's in the process now. But I, yeah. I guarantee you, we can't put the hogs in this building that that little dog trailer is hauled home oh, yeah. with all them dogs. And, you know, it's it's... All our dogs are real high strung, and some of them were real bad dog aggressive for a long time. It took a lot of selective breeding to get it to get it to work the way we wanted it to, to what we really need, the performance level, and to have you know the tolerance level for them to, to be able to manage their drive yeah, to more prey. Because they and realize not every dog is also prey. Not exactly. it, all the way down to no dogs. Yeah. When you're when you're dealing with terriers, that's the kind of stuff oh, that yeah. you got to deal with. Because a lot of those people over in Europe, they they let the dogs fight. They'll match them up and yeah, establish a pecking order. And I'm like, that seems counterproductive yeah. to me because your dogs get out on the yard, they're gonna kill each other. Oh yeah, and I mean, and I'm not gonna sit here and I know there's a lot of you guys that that have hunted for years. You know what I'm talking about. You get out and you got a a new spot you're going to everything looks good man hog signs everywhere you dump the dogs out they take off next thing you know you like look they're 150 yards and you're like damn they're set down but you don't hear no barking you already know what's happening they're out there fighting ruins the whole damn thing so the dog aggression is a was a hard deal we'll get on that on in another episode we'll get yeah. to the how we got a lot of dog aggression out of some super dog aggressive dogs through selective breeding and through culling and also on the dog boxes diamond cut is your best friend and your biggest nightmare all at the same time mm -hmm. it's very durable it's tough and it looks good but it gets hot and if you stick your hand on that dog box when in the middle of summer it's going to burn you up and if you don't have adequate water or mm -hmm. you don't have a gallon milk jug frozen in there so that dog can lay on the box they will heat stroke in the box there's it's happened before, and mm -hmm. most times when before you even realize it. Yeah, it's well. I mean, and that's the thing. There's a lot of times that like heat stroke happens, and you know you hear guys like, "Man, I don't know what I could have done different." 
why well, I, I didn't notice it. And I did. They're they're not the only ones because I it's happened to us. Yeah. By the time you notice it, some not every time, but sometimes it's too late. So, you know, it's he's talking about that hot ass dog box. When it, look, the worst thing, reaching over, reaching up there, get you a beer out. Right there on that underarm. Lord of mercy, it'll be bad. That right. son of a bitch will make you holler and scream in a minute. There ain't no doubt about it. So we'll uh we'll touch on some some trucks and well we got some trucks and buggies the kind of vehicles that you you're doing. We'll uh I like when I first started hunting, everybody was on four wheelers. And then it's kind of it went, you know. Then it went to it was trucks, and then it's buggies, and it's it's went back and forth. So, you know, it's all in really what you want to do and what is comfortable for you, and also what the landowner, if it's private land, what he likes and what he doesn't like. You know, on your vehicles that you're using, like I said, you got you know you got four wheelers, trucks, buggies, you got custom stuff that you build. Um, a lot of landowners. Are particular, you know, we, uh, for instance, you know, we went down there to Demopolis and this guy just had his roads done, you know, I mean, and I don't blame the guy. He didn't want any, any trucks on him at all, but he didn't mind if a four wheeler was on it, but he didn't want any trucks or buggies. Now that doesn't make any sense to me because they're all going to do the same amount. So we didn't even put anything on it. We just walked, you know, that that's the, to me, that was the best outlet. But, I mean, you got to take into consideration, you know, the terrain that you're hunting. If it's just flat land, wide open land, you make it whatever you want to make it, whatever works for you. Personally, myself, where we hunt, pretty much a combination of all of those. Yeah. Where somebody's got a four-wheeler. All of them have the place. Yeah. So, you know, we carry, we got four-wheel drives, trucks, and then we got a, a ranger crew. That way, you know, everybody can be mobile. And then... If you get in a in a spot wherever you you know dispatch the hog or whatever, might have to unhook those you know drop the the gate and get those four wheeler out. Cause it's it's kind of hard to to take a four wheeler, a truck, and a buggy, and follow each other all together. Cause you know the you dust each other. Out. Yeah, you dusting each other out. The speed, which you're gonna do that with about anything. But if you got four wheelers, y'all can get on each side of the road. Four wheeler and a buggy works a lot more than. A truck and a four-wheeler, you know, but it's how many dogs are you going to haul? I mean, and I've seen guys with a damn Honda 300 four-tracks. That son of a bitch will have 10 dogs on it. I'm talking about oh, yeah, everywhere. clip to the front and the back, and I mean like it ain't nothing. I can't do that. Them some guns are going to be fighting, jumping off the buggy, hanging themselves, whatever. We got oh, yeah. rigging rack on our buggy. Usually we, we can carry... Eight or ten dogs, pretty comfortable. Yeah. Uh, it's it's, but we do have a, we are on the smaller side of dogs. Uh, most of our dogs are fifty pounds or less. Average is probably thirty thirty five pounds. Really, yeah. uh, we have a few of them that are you know in the high fifties, but most of them are smaller dogs. And uh, you know, it's it's not that hard when you do it like that. It, but like I said, now when I first started, I went and got. I mean, I got me a truck. Remember that green mm -hmm. truck? Got it. Bobbed the bed on it. I mean, I had racks built on this thing. It was a, it was nice. It's probably the nicest rig that I've ever owned. And man, didn't nobody want me to drive it. They were like, "Can can y'all 
you know, can y'all bring a four-wheeler or something besides that truck? And I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, well, when you, I said, yeah, I'd like, yeah, we was trying to, you know, trying to make it. Accommodate to them. Yeah, I was trying to make it. They let us hunt. Yeah, they let us hunt. So, but then again, if you go out through the edge of a hayfield and it's wet and you're in a buggy and it starts spinning, it's going to leave a rut. So, just because it's a buggy doesn't make it better. To me, it doesn't. It's still doing the same thing. Yeah. If you're on a four-wheeler and it starts spinning, here's the deal. Stop. If you're in a truck and it starts spinning, the truck's going to be heavier. Therefore, it is going to, it's probably going to do more damage quicker. But if you just keep going, it's going to cause damage. So that's where the common sense factor and the self-respect factor, respecting your landowners and the property, that's where that comes into play. Because if you don't have all those together, then you, number one, you ain't shit. You don't need to be hunting. You know, number two is just, like I said, just common sense. If it's tearing stuff up, stop. Get out, walk, turn around, go the other way. Easy. Oh, yeah. That's what you got dogs for. For real. If, you, if you've got to if you've got to go every inch and take them dogs there and you can't kick them out and let them go find something, well, yeah. sign or not. I mean, everybody's different. Doesn't mean that I'm wrong. Doesn't mean that you're wrong. Yeah, there's different ranges of dogs, yep. but they, they should leave your feet to some degree. Oh, yeah. You should not be walking within well, 10 feet. We got to get on a different page on that because you already know what's going to go on. I ain't going to be able to control myself. And start talking about, oh, that son of a bitch right there is a go yonder dog. Yeah. Go yonder. Okay, I understand. What's your yonder, though? Is your yonder over yonder by the back of the truck? Or is it over yonder by Nancy's house that's, you know, three and a half miles over there? Because it goes every way. So I, from one to we can't get talking about that, Nate. we got to do a whole nother. That's a whole nother segment. A whole nother show. Yes, it is. Got to. Because I'll get all fired well, up. I'll turn redheaded again. And speaking about walking with dogs, next thing is the boots. That, transition. There transition. you go. Transition. I'm going to be a professional. Yeah, we're pros. We're getting there. Uh, so it pretty much depends on climate and terrain. So if you're hunting in a swamp, you're probably not going to wear loafers. Just gonna just throw that out there. You're gonna get you're gonna get pissed off pretty quick. Cause <laughs> no, say no. I can't. I can't say. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, I have personally during the summertime, I've wore swimming trunks and put a belt on, put briarproof chaps, and wore tennis shoes. Yep. Because I knew I was going to get wet. Because we hunt in mountains with creeks, and there's a creek at almost every bottom. So. That's one thing I did to keep cool. But a lot of times everybody's now, different. A lot of times now, uh, like a 10-inch hiking boot is usually what I prefer because it's a bit more mobile. And if my feet do get wet, they, they dry out pretty good mm. and that they fit. So when you're jogging down a hill trying to hurry up or going up, you, you got more ankle support. And I and hilly and dry terrain fall over on my head. I've done it before. Uh, then you have chaps. You can get just regular briarproof chaps, or we have some boots. We have some non-insulated ones yep. and insulated ones that the chaps are attached to. Yeah. You know that you've got. Some people call them frog legs. Whatever you want yeah. to call them. There's Yoder makes them. Dan's makes them. I mean, there's all different. Yeah. Muck boot. You know, you can get a different type boot put on the chap that you choose. Uh, there's and I mean you got you got a big selection of those. You have to be careful. And pay attention, because just because the chaps are attached does not mean there's a waterproof seal. Sometimes it's only waterproof to the top of the boot, and yeah. you step off in a creek, and it, you get soaking ass wet. Yeah, because that, that's happened quite a bit. But, yeah. you know, you remember back in the, I mean, not every, and look, guys, it not everybody can afford to go out and buy all this stuff. Oh, we didn't. I didn't There was have years we hunted in regular square toe work boots. Oh, 
first time I went to Finn and Feather Lodge in Mississippi with Tim Harrington, he asked me, he was like, hey, you guys got, y'all got good good wet boots and stuff. I was like, yeah, hell yeah, I got them. I did have them in the truck. And we jump out, kick the dogs out. Now, keep in mind, this is over around uh, Stark Vegas. Stark Vegas. It's, right it's flooded, Sparkville. flooded river bottom. And we, I mean, go, you can go on and click the video. It says boar hog stuck in Starkville. That's the video we're talking about. That's the first time that we went over there. And we took off, and all we had on was work boots. Yeah, you know, I, I regular my, leather work boots. I they lost run my through boots a swamp. trying to get up there and get the that's thing how, assessed because we were taking people with us. Yeah, we had a couple, several new people. Well, that's how I found you because I because you got up ahead of us. I could hear the dogs. I was like, where the hell did they go? And the water was almost knee deep. Yes. And, well, in places it was waist deep. But I got up there and there was a boot floating. And then about another hundred yards, there's another boot floating. I was like, well, yeah. we're on the right damn path now anyway. Uh, so. That, but, that's usually the job I take in that scenario. Yeah. I go up there and assess the situation. Yep. Because if they're on a little pig, I don't want 10 dogs on yeah. it just maiming it. It but, happens. Yeah, But it, it will happen. And also, if it's a huge boar hog that the dogs don't have control of, I want to go in there and say, hey, y'all need to be paying attention. Or if yep. it's a sounder or something like that. Yep. Yeah, you definitely need to do all that stuff. Um, but briar proof, where we're at, Briars Briar, are very prevalent because we have a lot of cutovers. We, yeah, we hunt a lot of cutovers. Uh, a lot of reclaimed land where it's been stripped and they've come back and planted pines, them damn briars, they just take over. Uh, especially if, if somebody leases it. If the if the mining company or whatever, they keep it, usually it, they do a prescribed burn every so often. So yeah. it's not bad. Every five to ten years usually. Yeah, but when but it, a lot a lot of briars can grow up in five oh, to ten years. Yes. Trees might not grow that much, but briars and that's one very thing. Productive. I know we talk about mm. Texas a lot, like a comparison. There's no comparison. Dude, briar proof ain't gonna help your ass in South Texas. Dude, ain't nothing gonna help you in South Texas. Nothing. The only thing that's gonna help you is one hammer headed, I mean hard ass bulldog that goes in there and knocks them out. And, and a flamethrower. Yeah, and it's cause man, <laughs> burn I, your way through it. Which I had a damn coon and it it didn't go ten feet inside this off of a Sendero, a little two track. And I can see it. I'm looking under there, but I fit, I could not get to I'm sitting there trying to go through Everything this. just grows so it was thick ridiculous. Together, it's Everything ridiculous. will stick you and stab you. And it hurts. Even out in the middle of the path, out in the field, it's like a... Kick up a twig and it comes back and pops you in the back of the thigh. It hit me in the cods and that colored bit. Yeah, I was damn done had me a damn hysterectomy going right there, whatever you call it. That son of a when you shot that deer out there a couple of weeks ago, yeah. it was out in the middle of just a sage field, nothing there, but what, two weeks ago? Wind yeah. blowing 40 miles an hour, cold as hell, in, in South Texas now, it's supposed to be warm. We go out there for a deer hunt for him and... I couldn't even walk across the field. I'm telling you, I walked across there, and it's, I don't know, here we got like what we call pasture grass. It's like, you know, like Johnson grass or something. Out there, it's not. It's got razors on it. It will bite you. It'll tear your ass up. So, anyway, briar-proof clothing ain't going to help you out there. Like I said, you know, not everybody can afford to go out and just buy all this stuff. We're not saying go do that. We're just saying these are things that can help you. Try to make the initial investment. If you know that you're serious about it, and you know you're going to be in it, go ahead and start planning to get you one of these items every month. 
You know, yeah. just, you know, I, I mean, when you come home from a long day of hunting and you peel off your boot and yep. your socks are stuck to your feet and you see blood spots, you're like, yep. yeah, I probably should get better. Boots. 150 more dollars and you wouldn't have had to worry about that. Yep. It's, you know, uh, it's it's one of them deals where to each his own. Like I said, oh, some yeah. people are fine about it. Oh, yeah. I know a guy in South, actually a couple of guys, them boys in South Georgia and Florida, they don't even need no shoes, man. They just, they flintstone it. I mean, you look like Fred and Barney out there just smoking them. Come through, they ain't got on nothing. But, you know, a pair of damn shorts and a wife beater, no shoes on. Come out, guy weighs 110 pounds, the hog weighs 475. Got two bulldogs still on his ear, and he drags him out, throws him over his shoulder in the bed of a damn old Ford Courier or a Datsun. <laughs> never, never seen nothing like it in my life. Yeah, that's some shit. But, I mean, that's how it is, though. Yeah. I would say some names, but. Don't, I ain't gonna criminate nobody. No recrimination. Um, snake proof stuff. Yeah, for sure. Snake proof is another thing. A lot of times you can find like hiking boots or like snake proof boots that are lace ups that are built also for pretty good hiking. Uh, during the summertime, mainly when we hunt, uh, I just they get really, really hot on your legs. Yeah. Really. And then, I mean, even if they fit right, if your feet are pouring sweat and you hunt for a couple hours, you might still run a chance of rubbing some really gnarly blisters on your feet. Yeah, it can get bad real quick. I And I've had, I didn't own a pair up until a few years ago. And uh, we had went hunting and, I mean, one of the boys almost stepped on a snake. It literally was right on top of us. One of the dogs actually got a hold of the snake. Uh, if it hadn't been for that little Patterdale man, somebody would have got bit. And it was a five foot long rattler. And after that, wound up getting me a pair of boots, and they were they were lace ups. I loved them. They were not the most comfortable, you know what I'm saying? But they were they were very tolerable anyway. Then the next set that I got, horrible. No, I mean they were shit. I I, I mean I didn't wear them just a couple of times. And then I wound up, so I said, you know what? I'm gonna buy some of the best I can buy, and I wound up getting some that was several hundred dollars. And them scoundrels, they lasted. They were good. They were the just a zip up on the side. Well, you uh, had those Rockies, and they weren't even snake proof. And you had those boots years before oh, you yeah. even hog hunted. Oh yeah, I've had them. But I'm just saying that last pair oh, yeah. that I bought, not the very last pair, but the pair before that. So I went and bought another pair that laced up and zipped. So that way yeah. I could just be lazy and slide them on. And I mean, they, it says waterproof on them. They're not at all. Uh, you walk across the grass, dude. You'll sit feet get soaking wet. So, uh, yeah. be be particular on what you what you buy. Like I said, research all these items that Read we talked about. Reviews and check warranties. Know your warranties yes. on all of your gear, no matter what you're buying. Yeah, because I, I never have been one to check warranties and stuff like that. Nathan, he's you know he's like we really need to look into that stuff, Dad. Don't just because you buy something, you pay three or four hundred dollars for it. It tears up, and you got a warranty on it. Well, why not replace it? You know, yeah. it makes perfect sense. And but I was just if one you don't of those, even know there's a warranty on yeah, it. Yeah, check, make sure because I didn't even know there was warranty on several things that we had. And, and then by the time we figured it out, the warranty was up. Yep, exactly. So, so just you know, keep in mind, be safe. All these things that we have mentioned, these are things that'll help you. Hopefully, they'll help you. Maybe I don't want to do anything to hurt anybody. That's for sure, or to make it harder on you. Uh, you know, as long as you're out there and you got your dogs out there, you keep them dogs out there in the woods, keep running them, oh, yeah. and you'll 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 you know you'll enjoy life. 
and you know, you know, you'll start catching hogs sooner or later. And everything varies where you're at, what time of year you hunt, like what climate and all that stuff. This is mainly just us and our personal preference yeah. and what we've experienced. So, you know, we that's pretty much all we got on this episode. Uh, thank y'all for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching for the YouTubers. Uh, we want to, you know, we want to say thanks to the Right Outdoor Company, uh, John Van Note, All American Hunting and Hounds, DY Outdoors, Lynn Farms, Scent Balls. Check them out. Y'all, y'all really need to check that out. Crockett Taxidermy, Tim Harrington Fin and Feather Lodge, Frank Wright Construction. I mean, and there's, I know there's a lot of people that I'm missing. And sorry, guys, if I don't, don't have you on the on my mind right now but you're in my heart please believe me everything uh, will be linked in the description down below we'll get you some information on youtube and if, if we can if we can get some numbers and stuff to you know like southern cross hardcore and all that we'll, we'll go ahead and try to get that up but you know it's really you need to research everything for yourself and if any of you old timers have anything to add comment it and we'll add it in yes. later in a later episode yeah if, if you got any any tips or or know any new product? Anything we miss? Anything? Yeah, feel free to to comment, email us, DixieDoggers13 at gmail dot com. Anything? We appreciate it. Thank y'all.